Hello. Welcome, everybody. This is another VK podcast. I'm not sure what number. I think this is number four officially for us, right? I believe we are on number four. Number four. Thanks for tuning in. I am Kevin Vela. With me is Ray Corrala. We are attorneys at the law firm Vela Keller here in Dallas, Texas. And this is our podcast where we share small business and legal tips for entrepreneurs and startups. Uh, one thing that we're still working on is our name. If you've listened before, you know that our current name is VK Podcast, and we're in a little bit of a legal dispute, though I don't think Apple knows, but we're fighting with Apple over the name Podcast. Apparently, they are using it ubiquitously. So we have reached out to our listeners to see if we have any new names or any suggestions for a name for the VK Podcast. Ray, what do we got so far? Well, you know, Kevin, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit disappointed in the turnout we've had so far, so I really want to encourage all the listeners out there to submit suggestions to us at podcast at com, just like it sounds, podcast at com. Right now we have a suggestion from KT, from Dale L., from Gordon. That was, I think it's Gordon. I'm not sure, no, because it's actually you, it's Gordon. <laughs> I think that's how Gordon spells his name. I think I might have just <laughs> Maybe it was a transposed mis- a letter there. And then we have a, a, a offering from Christine. So, so four? We have four right now. Impressive. Not bad. Okay. I, I expect a little more. But right now, I'm not going to... Whose name are you leaning towards? We're not going to reveal what the suggestions are because we want them to keep coming in. We're going to extend it maybe another week or so to see if we get more suggestions. Right now, my vote is for Christine. i got to say Christine's was very strong. Uh, Dale L. came in strong. I think Dale Ells needs a little help. Okay. Because it wasn't bad, but I think it needs a little extra push. Okay. All right. So we're still working on the name. Thanks for sending it in. Like we had mentioned before, if your name is chosen, we will send you a VK t-shirt and a sticker, and we will always be grateful to you. And every time we say the name, we will remind people where the name came from. All right. So today's podcast, the theme of the podcast, as you saw from the title, is Here's What They Haven't Told You About Starting a Business, Part 2. So in our last podcast, we gave out five things that they haven't told you. When I say they, I just mean other people in the community, perhaps books that you may be reading, research you might be doing online. When you're starting a small business, you go out and look for different resources to advise you or help you get started. There's just some things they don't tell you. So our last podcast was numbers one through five. Today it's numbers six through ten. So I'm going to go through these. I'm pulling these from a blog that I wrote last year. I will lay each of these out and then allow you to comment on them, right? Yeah, I think I think the first five were very helpful. Like I mentioned in the last podcast, when I came into VK, it was an established business, and they had gone through a lot of these things already on their own, so I had that benefit. But there's still things that I'm learning, and I wish somebody would have told me this early on. So to be clear, we at Vela Keller, we're a small business ourselves. I mean, we have employees, we have payroll obligations, we have rent, we have to deal with office supplies, we have to deal with accounts receivable. So we go through the things that small businesses go through. On top of our own experiences, we've learned a lot from representing hundreds of small businesses really all over the world. So anyways, number six through ten. Number six, growth is expensive. Growth is generally thought of as being good. If you're growing, that's a good, that's a good thing. But it can be very expensive. Growth usually means more people, and people don't just show up and start working. You have to pay them. You have benefits. You have to pay taxes. They need a desk. They need a computer. They need software. They need time off. Adding 
human capital is very expensive. Now, if you're in the services business like us, it's an absolute must, right, Ray? We can't grow our business without adding more attorneys and adding staff to support the attorneys. But just recognize that growth is expensive. Yeah, I think this, this may be the topic of a whole other podcast in the future, Kevin. But knowing that it's expensive goes hand-in-hand hand with the question of when to grow. Because that's going to be the key issue. Knowing that it's expensive no matter what, you need to figure out, when does it make sense for me to add people because there's no – nobody's going to tell you definitively, add this extra person or add this extra department and you're going to be – you know, you're going to have X amount of more profits coming in. It's always a little bit of a leap of faith, but know that no matter what happens, it's going to be expensive and you're going to pay for that growth. It's probably going to pay off in the end if you do it right, but it's going to cost you money. If you're going to add, add, add people – I would highly suggest that you do some calculations to figure out what's your revenue per employee or figure out some sort of, of revenue per item, you know, some sort of revenue per product or revenue per machine or whatever it is that you need to grow. If you need more machines, you need more computers, you need more people, what is the revenue that each one of those things generate to make sure that the additional revenue will justify the expenses from the growth? Okay, number seven, at some point in time, you will be involved in a lawsuit. Just get ready for it. It is rare that we have businesses who come into this office who have been established for a period of time and they have not been involved in a lawsuit, whether they are on the plaintiff side or the defendant side. It's going to happen. At some point in time, you might need to sue someone for a payment owed. You might have a breach of contract. You might have a difference in opinion over interpreting some sort of contract or agreement between two parties. But at some point in time, you're going to probably be involved in a lawsuit at that point in time, it's good to have some attorneys who know your firm and who you trust who can help guide you through that. Yeah, as a trial attorney, it's a little bit of anathema for me to say this, but lawsuits are almost always a terrible business decision. At the end of the day, it, it, lawsuits are nasty, they're expensive, they're an inconvenience, but they're a necessity for a variety of reasons. Sometimes you need to bring it to send a message. Sometimes you need to bring it to protect your intellectual property or your trademarks or from somebody from non-competing or trying to get out of a non-compete. A lawsuit is a normal part of a business. You're going to be involved in one. The more successful, really, Kevin, we talk about this a lot, it's kind of a badge of honor in some respects because the more successful you become, the bigger of a target you become, and people are going to take swings at you in a lawsuit or they're going to try to take advantage of you and you'll need to sue them. A lawsuit, and we'll talk about this in other podcasts, is really nothing more than you know some words on a piece of paper that somebody pays a filing fee to go file. It's nothing magical or mystical. It's, it's not that big of a deal unless it is, and, and that's kind of the rub. You know, we tell clients all the time, generally speaking, the threat of a lawsuit is much more powerful than the actual lawsuit. I think anyone who's experiencing a lawsuit for the first time, you'll be grossly disappointed at how boring it gets for the first six to nine months after the documents are filed. You'll be grossly disappointed at how boring I am when I call you <laughs> to ask you questions. Talk about discovery. So anyway, just be prepared for that. It happened. If it does happen, no big deal. Like Ray said, that just means that there's something worth fighting for. So the, the, the idea that it might be a badge of honor, I, I, you know, I think it's a great idea. Okay, next, number eight. No one will love your business as much as you do. This was difficult for me to understand right early on. You know, as I went out and I talked to other people around me who might, about my business or as I was trying to share it with my, with my vendors or with my clients or even trying to get you know, buy-in from everyone around you, no one's going to love the firm as much as you do or the business, excuse me, as much as you do. As a founder, 
as the one who started that business or started that startup, that is your baby, and that's always going to have a you know play a huge role in your life. And just managing that startup will take an enormous amount of time on top of actually running the business. So just keep that in mind. But once you understand that, that can help you to be successful. What you don't want to do is be in a position where you're frustrated by you know your salaried employees that they are not doing things that you think a founder would do, or you are frustrated by your partners or your vendors. You know, when I say partners, I mean your vendors or your, your other service providers or your customers or your clients, that they're not doing things a founder would do. That is not their business. That is, this is your business. So understand that no one will love your business as much as you do, and they will not look at it through the same lens that you look at it. Yeah, I just want to make two real quick points on this. If you don't love your business – then you got a problem, and you're not going to have enough energy to see it through. It so should almost be an irrational love. I it mean, should if be. You, if you're really, really dedicated to your business. An irrational love like I love my ninja skateboard. It was great. <laughs> it was very unwieldy, and I have a scar on my chin as a result of that love for it. But it should be an irrational love. And Kevin's absolutely right for once that <laughs> you're going to be the one who loves it more. Let me give you a quick example. Right now, the day before July 4th, Kevin and I are the only ones in our office at, uh, you know, almost 6 o'clock. We let everybody else go early. We're here cutting a podcast. We love doing it. It's our business. It's our baby. Uh, it's not just about making money. It's about doing something that challenges you in your life, that you find exciting, you think you're good at. That's why you're going to love it, and nobody's going to love it the way you do. You, people always say you want to do something that you love. Well, if you're going to do something that you love, that means you love your business. So recognize that that is for you. That is not for other people. If you can figure out how to motivate your employees and your customers and your, your service providers and your vendors to really buy in and to start to love your business, then you're doing something very, very well. One, one other quick point. You're not going to love every part of it. That's There's going to be parts point. like yes. asking people to pay you. That's correct. You're not going to love that part. That's a hassle. That's correct. But overall, you're going to love your business like no other. That's correct. Okay. Number nine, and this one might be a little bit of a shock to some people who are just getting going. Banks are very difficult to deal with. And I went so far as in my blog to say banks are impossible to deal with. Now, I don't want to make too broad of a stereotype because we have a fantastic relationship with our bank. But we have developed that relationship over six years. And it took us taking out a small loan and paying off the loan and taking out another one and having several accounts there. Look, banks have to operate by a certain set of guidelines. The bigger, the more restricted they are. So going to a bank and asking for a credit card or them to waive fees for your checking or your savings account or for a line of credit can be very difficult to do and, and daunting to an early stage company or to a, to a small business just getting off the ground. So please realize that banks are very difficult to deal with. Because of that, it is imperative. I can't stress this enough to our clients. I hope all you guys out there listening take this, take this to heart. If you are opening a small business, you need to find a bank. Find one that you, where you like the loan officers, you like the people who work there, someone at the branch that you, know, that you can establish a personal relationship with, and become a good customer for them. Ask them for this. We say, what's the smallest loan I can apply for? $5,000? Great. When you need that money, take it out and pay it back. Get a good working relationship going with your bank. So when you need more money, when you need a line of credit, when you need a loan from the bank, when you need a, a favor from the bank, they know who you are. And they're looking at you as a business and what does your business do and not just as an individual when they're trying to evaluate things from a liability perspective. Yeah, developing a relationship with a bank is a little bit – it's kind of the opposite of, you know, 
developing a relationship with a person or with the opposite sex. So the beginning is this, you know, honeymoon phase and everything's great at the beginning. That's not the way it is with the bank. That's right. At the beginning, it's very business-like. They're not, for the most part, they're going to be cordial to you, but they're not going to care who you are. They don't have a relationship. They don't trust you. They don't know you. You haven't, you haven't gotten any uh, you know, business capital. I, I don't know a better word for it than, you know, just the type of relationship that you gain from seeing them every day. Send your people down to make deposits and they know you, they trust you, they know you're going to be around. They know your lights are going to be on in a year or two years or six months, you know, for whatever. So there's a trust there. You need your bank to trust you, and that takes time to develop. Put the effort in. It's going to be difficult, really difficult to do it because you're going to get frustrated. Other banks or girls, if you want to extend the analogy, are going to be, you know, making passes at you and and trying to, to woo you with better rates or whatever. Put in the time with the bank, even though they're going to be impossible at the beginning, because it'll pay off at the end. I want to reiterate that. Investing time with the bank is an important asset. We've got a fantastic relationship with our bank, and we think as we move and grow in the future, a bank can really facilitate that. Okay, finally, finally, very difficult point. At some point in time, you're going to have to fire someone. And most of you have probably never done that before. And it's going to be very difficult to do. But once you've made a decision that someone is not helping your small business, is not helping your startup, it is time to let them go. You know, I've, I've heard this, and I, and I really believe in it. It's something that we now practice here. You have to fire fast and hire slow. If, if we, I can't tell you how often we discuss this with our clients. And most of our clients, they have never managed people before. And managing people is its own thing on top of starting a business. But when it gets to a point in time where this employee is not a right fit for whatever reason, You've got to let that person go, you know, hopefully in a graceful and a, um, in an, you know, an amiable manner. But if that person is not fitting and they're just costing your business money, then you've got to let them go and make a decision and move on. Very difficult to do. It will upset you. It's going to put your stomach in knots. It's going to make you nauseous. But realize, I mean, you are running a business now. If you truly love this business, you have to treat it the way it needs to be treated. And you have to treat it carefully. I do a lot of employment law. I've sued companies for terminating people improperly, and I've defended companies who are being accused of firing somebody improperly. And what I always tell companies, the business owners, is be a good person. When you're firing somebody is difficult, but sometimes it's the best thing to do for both you and the employee. But be a good person when you do it. Like Kevin said, do it swiftly if it needs to be done, but do it right. We'll talk about that more later. Okay, so there are tips numbers six through ten you can get one through five on an earlier podcast again just to recap number six growth is expensive plan for it number seven you will be involved in a lawsuit they're not that bad let me take it back they can be bad but in general a lot of times they're a waste of time they're a necessary evil number eight no one will love your business as much as you do number nine banks are difficult to work with so establish a relationship with the bank early on and number ten you won't have to fire someone be prepared for that Thanks for listening. We'll be back shortly with more small business tips, and we hope to hear some more ideas for the uh, podcast name.